my fucking bowels are old, dude. Old and full of old beer. Speaking of beer. Oh, yeah. What are we drinking, are we drinking today? Drinking? Well, Doug, Oscar Blue is one of your favorite breweries. This is Priscilla, which is a white wheat wit. You nailed that one on the first take. I'm impressed. Thank you. Yeah, I'd never seen this one before, and I knew that we needed something to try today. Have you never had this before? I had never even okay, seen the can. Okay, so it's relatively new, but been around well, for... Well, last night you said, oh, I don't think there's any beer left in here for you to drink. I went to the fridge, and I was like, there's six Priscilla's in here. I'm gold. That's not exactly how that happened, but close enough. <laughs> I thought my telling was better than what actually happened. You know, for a wheat, not, not particularly bad. sweet, this is a wheat I would consider drinking more than once. <laughs> I know this is only episode four, but we've done nothing but Colorado beers, right? We have. We've done non-Colorado beers so far. I'm trying to stick to stick to Colorado to let people know how good of a beer scene we have out here. Yeah, let's exhaust that pool first before we move on. This is Project Challenged, broadcasting this week from the Bit Cave. Thanks again. This is Doug Lund, keeping the D in Challenged, and Eric G. Hollis. We're fortunate enough to have some pretty major pop culture events all happening at the same time, a confluence, if you will. Uh, we went and checked out Logan last night and uh, have been playing through the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild game, and we're going to talk a little bit about the new FX series Legion. That's going to set our agenda for today. I'm going to let Eric lead off with Logan. So Doug cried three times during Logan. That's the best lead off I can I can give you. It was very similar to the Lego Batman movie that I also enjoyed, and I know we won't have time to get into today. Very reverent to not only the character of Logan, but to the entire X universe, both cinematically and also in the books. Wonderful choices were made. I don't know if Jackman had a say in who he got to play opposite of, but when you get Patrick Stewart and Stephen Merchant to play the other two prominent mutants besides X-23 in the movie, that's just wonderful casting. Patrick Stewart knocked it out of the damn park. I'm going to stop you right there because I should have said this at the beginning of the episode. If it's not already abundantly oh, sorry, clear, <laughs> spoiler alerts for all three subjects today because there's no way that we can talk about this Did shit. Did I just and not really con- ruin something? I don't think so. And that's okay. why I stopped you there because I don't think you talked about anything plot specific yet. So yeah, we're, we're going to spoil the shit out of this. So if you haven't seen the movie or don't want to know how the uh, first few hours of Zelda plays or aren't caught up through episode four of Legion, turn this off and come back later. Definitely come back because you want to go see Logan's the type of movie you want to see in a theater. It's done and uh, they reference a Western in the film. They reference the movie Shane. But when I watched the first 45, 50 minutes of Logan, it reminded me a lot of the Clint Eastwood movie Unforgiven. I loved it. Again, Patrick Stewart, Oscar. And I know people are like, ah, whatever. It's a fucking comic book movie. Bullshit. He owned every scene every line delivery, and they referred to the other movies not not in a winking way, but so you knew those characters have been together. I mean, the Statue of Liberty fight is referenced at one point, so you know you're still in that X-Men universe from 2000. Right. Those two characters that have grown up together. Major spoiler alert on this, there's a scene with Eric LaSalle's family at a dinner table, and it might be my favorite scene in the entire film. You could tell through the acting, those two characters had gone to that school together, and 
Professor X had been the father figure that he wants Wolverine to be for X-23 now. God, the movie was fucking awesome. I liked how it was uh, apparent, um, and without beating you over the head with it, it wasn't even explicitly said that Logan was the heir apparent to Professor X with this new generation of mutants, and that still came through the storyline, probably even to a casual fan. They never really explained what happened. I assume Professor X killed a lot of the mutants at the school, had one of those seizures and ended up killing them. That's talked about a couple times, but they don't hit you over the head with that either. Is the school in Westchester? Because they talk about the Westchester incident. Gray Malkin Lane. Okay, so yeah, he wiped out presumably a bunch of them. (laughs) I guess these characters that have given us a lot of joy, this was a sad chapter. The end left you with a little bit of hope. And without getting into it, you basically get to see the new generation of mutants. And I don't know if they'll spin them off into their own flick, but I thought I, it, I doubt I think it. They will. The ending is very definitive. I'll say that. Right. I think this is the last time we see Hugh Jackman play that character, and I think Hugh got exactly the movie he wanted to go out on. Some of the fight scenes, dude. I mean, ever since we saw Wolverine and X two jump off that balcony, it was a PG thirteen action scene. But that's the first time I feel like we really see Wolverine. This was the first time we saw Marvel Max line Wolverine, R-rated, limbs coming off, claws through people's faces. I didn't know how much I wanted to see an R-rated Wolverine movie. They hit you with it right in the beginning, which is great. You see his claws go through someone's neck and out the front of their face, and it was fucking spectacular. I think that was done on purpose. I think they opened with that five-minute sequence because a lot of people, that's what they came to the movie to see. But they also had a very reverent and a very touching story. You stories. Might, stories, yeah. And you, you might cry twice in a movie, Doug, but three times. I mean, that's a good compliment for that film, isn't it? Once, <laughs> twice. <laughs> three times a bitch. That movie made me its bitch three times. I didn't cry tears rolling down the cheek. I did well up a little bit at the end. Uh, Not at the same scenes you did, but uh, at the end of the film when she flips the cross. I'm welling up right now thinking of the the scene where he's smacking the shit out of the truck with the shovel right after Professor X died. It's affecting me now. I wouldn't say half. I'd say most of the audience was laughing. I don't get it. That was the single most powerful scene of the movie for me because... You related to it. Oh, absolutely. It's fucking pain. It's anger and it's rage. And just because you're smacking something with a shovel and swearing doesn't make it funny. It was deeply moving. (laughs) (laughs) as you can probably tell from my voice right now. Well, I'm going to take it a step further then. As a father, you had to watch that movie through a different lens. My whole life has lived through that lens, so it's difficult for me to distinguish how you see things versus how I see things in general. I see things like your kids do. (laughs) (laughs) So there's two storylines when it comes to the parent and child, right? There's Charles and Logan, and then there's Logan and 23. What's her name? X-23, Laura. Laura. Is that her name in the Old Man Logan storyline? I'm pretty sure it is. That is a book I have not read. I'm familiar with what happens. And actually, in Old Man Logan, Logan kills all the X-Men by accident. I think Mastermind convinces him that they're all against him, and he breaks into the X-Mansion and murders all the X-Men. So they switched that to Charles. And in Old Man Logan, it's not Professor X with Wolverine. It's Hawkeye. Right. So they made adjustments. I'll make a bold statement here. Out of the gate in 2017, I think we've seen two comic book movies, Logan and the Lego Batman movie that are on par with Dark Knight. I'm not saying better. I'm saying on par. I'm glad we had a little time to chew on it between last night when we saw the movie and and today when we talked about it. I didn't really know how I felt about it walking out of the theater. I think I was a little underwhelmed, and I've had some time to think about it. And 
I think you're right. Hugh Jackman in particular wanted a story told a specific way, and there was some fan service there, and there was uh, the opportunity to make a really unique movie as your swan song to this franchise that he arguably built himself. I don't want to see anybody else play that role. I know it's coming. It's going to be coming within the next three or four years. Do you know the kids from Age of Apocalypse? They've been cast. Cyclops and Jean Grey are coming back. So they're using them again from that storyline. We have to see another Wolverine. And God, Hugh, you know, as much as as a fan, I want to tell you, man, do another one. Fuck that. Western metaphors aside, what a perfect ride off into the fucking sunset for that character. He got to play him old. He did what I always wish Shatner would did with Captain Kirk. I mean, they they did it a little bit, but he played a damaged version of Logan. I almost cheered when he injected the serum because I knew we're going to get to see his last battle. Right. We're going to get to see him kick ass as Wolverine one more time with his daughter by his side, who, by the way, good God, I'd like to see an X-23 movie. She killed it. for As an actress, 12-year-old girl. She was amazing. In a difficult role for a girl to play, I don't think it's sexist to say that it's probably more challenging given our society for a teenage girl or maybe even pre-teenage girl, because she's not pubescent yet, to step into a role like that and make you believe it instantly. As good as Patrick Stewart's performance was, and, and Jackman's always up there, they found a kid who not only kept up with both of them and often stole scenes. I think if you pick a weak actor out of the bunch, it's whoever the bad guy was. The villain. Isn't that always our fucking complaint when we leave these movies? (laughs) I guess we didn't complain about Loki. He fucking owns. Tom Hiddleston owns that role. And I didn't think the villain was horrible. I thought, I mean, I don't mean to bitch about it and be unappreciative, but maybe they could have picked a more iconic X-Men villain to fill that role. Right. You have years since, like, I think 1963 worth of comic books to pick from. I'm not saying it had to be an over-the-top mutant, Ivan Ooze-looking Age of Apocalypse Oscar Isaac, but I think they could have done something with it. And I don't think that you needed a strong villain to be the object of the story, because that's not the story they were telling in this movie. It's not, there's a baddie that needs to be beat. They needed someone to chase him on the road movie, though. I mean, it was a road picture, correct? It was. Is that how you look at it? Totally. Okay. I mean, there's really a handful of villains that each played a role in keeping the storyline moving along. On that note, let's talk about Weapon 24. I want to know how much of that was CG, but Hugh Jackman also got the chance to play a younger, more cleaned up Wolverine. I was hoping you already knew this coming into the cast, if no. that was CG or if that was you pure You and I Jackman. laid off of even talking about this last night, so I have not done any research today besides that I was wrong about Richter. We'll get to that. Okay. Because uh, the character is Richter in New Mutants, and that is what his power is. I don't know why I confused him for Sunspot. Carl is probably cringing right now, like, Eric, goddamn, pick up a fucking comic book. <laughs> you didn't even have to mention that. Uh, uh, that was a conversation between you and I last night. And I, I'm, I'm did- calling myself out. <laughs> I'm calling myself out. So, yeah, the villain may be a little weak. Everyone else, top of their game. I even liked Caliban, and he's a character I normally don't like. I don't like the actor that plays him. Steven Merchant? Yeah. You also don't like, you know, Rodney Dangerfield. You're right. That's a list that's not fair to <laughs> We should most do that. Performers. That should be a bit on uh, on the show. Actors Doug doesn't like and why. Yeah. I think you hate a lot more actors than I do. No, I, there's there's people I don't like either. Yeah. It, it's called sociopath. Like there, there's a word for it. <laughs> <laughs> is, is that the word? Yeah. That's what happens when you hate most people in general. That's true. I think you do have a little bit more hate in your heart than I do. 
I'm certain of that. I think I'm a lot more passive aggressive, though. There's an episode of this show that we're not going to air because of how shit-faced drunk you and Tyler were. Tyler in particular. Well, no, I'll, I'll call myself out. I, I didn't do myself any favors. No. I was the sober one, and that's never good. <laughs> and I wasn't sober. And the quiet one, which is really never good for this podcast some, in particular. Some would say that. <laughs> we won't get into that, though. One thing I do want to get into in going kind of away from Marvel movie tradition, we didn't get an after credit sequence with Logan. We got a pre-movie teaser. And how in the hell did they get the rights to the Superman theme? That was my thought the entire time. <laughs> Besides the scrawling on the phone booth that said Nathan Summers coming soon, which anyone listening to this knows is cable. What a great teaser, though. Loved it. What a great way to bring you into the X universe. I'm sitting here thinking what it would take to be able to license that, and it probably wasn't Because they don't. I mean, difficult. It's, it's Fox, right? And doesn't WB own Superman? Mm, that theme song in particular would have been owned by... Warner Brothers, right? Was it Warner that did the original Superman? Christopher Reeve's Superman? I mean, I think so. I'm trying to think of the opening sequence and what logos we get. I think so. They partner with a lot of properties, right. Warner Brothers, so I don't know. So money made that happen... Might not even been that much money, but totally worth it. The joke was worth whatever they spent on it. It was done very well. It's a slow burn, kind of, but God. And then we got the theme from True Romance. Yeah, which may or may not be an actual song. That has yet to be determined. Yeah, maybe we can get someone that listening to this to, to tell us that. I was just going to say this is a perfect opportunity for fan feedback. I won't even Google it. I'll just wait to see if someone responds. I'll Google it. <laughs> And how many movie trailers do you get to see 15 seconds of Ryan Reynolds' bare ass in? None, but I think they did that just for Logan. I think it's good marketing. Well, now I'm thinking back to the pictures of we saw of all these actors together, Jackman and Reynolds and Brosnan. Maybe that didn't have anything to do with the next Deadpool movie as much as it was... Uh, Reynolds was on set those two days. They were probably cleaning up Logan, editing stuff, You know, maybe doing a couple reshoots. And yeah, Reynolds was probably there. I'm sure they shot that Deadpool in, what, a day? Maybe. The joke is done very well, and I don't want to spoil it. I spoil everything else in look, and I won't spoil the Deadpool, though. This Deadpool segment wasn't a preview that stood alone from the movie. This was part of the movie. I think so, right? It seemed like it, because the event that we saw it, they didn't roll any previews. I'll give them a plug, because they're awesome. Movie camp. We were there last night, and they do kind of an hour-long pre-show before the film. A lot of audience participation. Elijah, or Elijah, as we call him, is a great host, funny guy. Other host, Andy, is coming on the podcast soon. So yeah, there were no trailers before that film. I kind of like the movie camp approach. I think those guys do good work. They had some really good jokes. I could watch trailers on YouTube all day long. I think that kind of added to my movie experience last night. So mad props to the guys at movie camp, and thanks for taking care of us at Genghis Khan, too. We love y'all. Why am I doing BitFace shit on Project Challenged? <laughs> That's okay. There was I just said he's going to be on the show. I didn't mean this show, though. I, I meant my other fucking podcast. You could talk about your other podcasts. I don't have to. There's no rules on Project Challenged. We had a good week on my other podcast, but it's always nice to have a week off because I know that's going to be Project Challenged week. So Yeah, you guys are on a roll lately. You have to keep getting better, right? If not, why the fuck are you doing it? Highly recommend Logan. If you're an X-Men fan, you have to go see it. I mean, you probably already have seen it, so. What a great way to spend a Friday night, though. We wrap up at the theater. Great fucking flick. Head back to Eric's house and immediately jump in to the new Legend of Zelda game, Breath of the Wild. Got to play it on the Switch, too, so I'm sure we have some thoughts about that as well. Right. Eric had lined us up to play on the Wii U, pre-downloaded. 
not played it in anticipation of us being able to sit down together. I really appreciate that because I know how difficult it is, especially for someone like you. That's like waiting an extra fucking six hours on Christmas morning to open your presents. So I thank you for showing some restraint there and for waiting for me to get down here. And then Tyler one-upped us both. He did, as he often does. <laughs> did you have any idea he was going out that night to get new hardware? No, Tyler and I live on completely different schedules. I'm normally in bed by the time he gets home every night. He didn't elude in bitface chat, text messages with me. I mean, I talk to Tyler almost more than anybody. No idea that I would walk into a Nintendo Switch in the house, but I'm glad we've got one uh, here, and I'm glad I didn't have to pay for it. Right. It's going to happen eventually one way or another. So One it's... of us would get one because of the Mario game coming out, but now I can just buy the, the Mario game. The Switch controller is fucking tiny. I can't put enough emphasis on that. I'm glad you're starting there, because I think we should talk a little bit about the hardware first before we get into the game in proper. Game? Okay. I haven't really fucked with the menus and stuff much, and I played Zelda with you guys last night, obviously, but the controller, very responsive, but God, some of the buttons are like as big as a gnat's dick. I mean, the little the little plus and minus keys are tiny. They are, and playing even on a, an assembled controller, I guess I'll call it, when you throw both sides. The, not a dock, but it's like a frame. Yeah, the dog head. <laughs> dog head, yeah. <laughs> That's what we're going to call it. It is a, a little cumbersome, especially for old fat fingers. And the best thing about that, of course, is that it's one of many options of a way to play this game. I really want to try out the Pro Controller. I kind of want to see what that's like, because I think that's more made for you and I. Right. But for someone, you know, Tyler's got a four-year-old, that Switch Controller is perfect for his hands. The joysticks are too small for my chunky-ass thumbs. They just are. And I'm used to... Sony's had pretty much the same size joysticks since the PlayStation 1 days. The Xbox joysticks really haven't changed in 10 years. Maybe I'm just biased as shit, but it's tiny. I will say getting into Zelda, I haven't tried it on the Wii U yet. A lot of the control scheme, this is my biggest bitch about the game, is cumbersome as fuck. Now, Doug and I started figuring stuff out as we went along that made the game easier. And the copious amounts of alcohol that we were consuming, you know, it didn't enhance things at all. In fact, Tyler got home and was like, oh, you guys aren't doing this, 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 and this. And we were like, no, fuck, we didn't figure any of that shit out. Well, we did find shit, though, that he didn't. We did. We explored more than he did. And I'd say that navigating through some of the menus to do some of the side functions or lesser used options, every time I had to look down at the controller or ask one of you guys, what the fuck do I hit again? But for straightforward gameplay, for running around, jumping, smacking shit, gliding, those kinds of things, that was all intuitive enough to where I wasn't having to think about that. And I could kind of lose the myself battle, in the, the battle system is beautiful. It's beautiful. It's very Dark Souls. Starting at the beginning, we get Link climbing out of the, what'd you call it? The cyber bathtub? It kind of looked like a cyber tub, didn't it? Your big complaint about the game is some of the aesthetics, correct? The aesthetics and I guess some of the stylized decisions they made for this game. I wouldn't have, but I'm not a game designer. And the further you go along in the game, it does start to work a little bit more. I would just say as a longtime Zelda player, that part of the visuals and even the fact that you're essentially carrying around an iPad with you or some kind of mobile device, it kept knocking me back out of the game because it didn't feel like Zelda to me. It's still really fun, but from the beginning, they set the tone that this is the Zelda that you're used to, but augmented with technology. I kind of like it, but I get what you're saying about the whole walking around with an iPad thing. And it's definitely less... I don't know, would you call the Zelda games a medieval fantasy setting? I mean, there's a sword and a shield involved. And you still have that. Right. But you do have, I don't know how to explain it except for techno. I mean, it's kind of like Link meets the Lawnmower Man. It, I like that. <laughs> uh, 
I didn't have as much of a problem with it as you did. Now, what's the last Zelda you played? Wind Waker? Twilight Princess. Okay, I barely played Twilight Princess. I did not play Skyward Sword. Basically, I haven't played a game all the way through since Wind Waker. There's a lot of touches that you expect to see in a Zelda game, some of the same musical cues. Uh, One comment you made last night I thought was interesting is there isn't really music in the overworld as you're walking around. Piano comes in and out. When you start to get into a battle, you get some battle music, but there's not constant Zelda music playing, which I think we both agreed was good and bad. It's definitely different than the Zelda games that I'm used to playing, where there is always five or six recurring themes that are playing depending on where you are, overworld and dungeons. And at times, it just felt really quiet. Like all you're listening to are his his footsteps as he's running along. There's a possibility that that's a game mechanic because we see the little oscilloscope down in the corner. You have to think that's going to come into play at some point with a stealth component and maybe being able to hear what's going on and not have it being drowned out by background music is going to be crucial. We just don't know it yet. Yeah, we have a sound meter. We have a temperature gauge. This is not Zelda that we're used to. You can cook. What were you making last night? Nutty steaks. Nutty steaks. <laughs> Brad actually told me, what did he say? An acorn and two of something else make something amazing. So you were right. The acorns are very important, not just as nutty flavoring. And as soon as you find the master sword at the top of the tree, we can agree I was right about everything. <laughs> Don't think that's happening. I hope that you pull the master sword out of the altar like you did in the other games. Does it always come out of the altar? The Zelda games, I remember it does. Yeah, definitely Ocarina. I'm thinking that's the first one that comes to mind. The world looks good, and it looks very open, and I'm very impressed with the graphics on the Switch, even though it's running at 900, right? Yeah, but this game, you pointed it out, doesn't need to run at max 1080p or even a higher resolution. You don't need a 4K TV to play it. It's still going to look great. It looks very true to itself, the kind of evolution of the game over time. It seems like what we're looking at right now was some good decisions were made, with the exception of the weird techno shit. Which isn't all over the place. It just seems like it is in the temples. If you went out in the overworld, you wouldn't even, you'd be like, Techno, what are they fucking talking about? That's a good point. It is in the dungeon components and locations. And the game's very uh, front heavy. We played four hours last night, and I feel like we just finished the tutorial section. Now, we were drinking and passing controller. Shit. We wrapped up at two. What time did we get back from the movie last night? Ten. That sounds about right. Four hours. Yeah, we walked in about ten. We logged, what, ten minutes, fifteen minutes of real gameplay before we left? If that. And really all we completed was what we'd call the prologue. We lined up five of the six powers or six of the seven rune powers, which are really how you're going to play the game. This made me think of the beginning to Link to the Past, where you start with the three, were they called orbs in that game too? The blue, red, and green orb that you... Yeah, I know what you're talking about. You have to start with those, and that's what really sets the stage for the Triforce hunt later in the game. I'm digging it. I have to replay everything we played last night. I'll blow through that, though, since I know how to solve all the puzzles. But I'm looking forward to really diving into the game, because it seems like there's going to be a lot to it, and there's going to be a lot of side quests. And I'm a side quester, man. I avoid the main quests at all costs when I get involved in something like that. I want to see everything and do everything. It's also really telling of how this year is going between Nio and Zelda and Horizon Zero Dawn, which I haven't even had a shot to play yet. Three of the best reviewed games of the past, I don't know, two, three years. I haven't even touched one of them because the other two are out and it's only March. This is going to be a good year. Now, granted, we're not getting South Park, which is fucking bullshit, but I called it. 
uh, not getting <laughs> South Park, but we're getting some really quality titles this week. And if you're not into the Zelda thing, I highly recommend Nio on the PlayStation 4. Dark Souls-esque title, phenomenal. And I would also say that if you're not into the Zelda game because it had lacked a level of challenge or difficulty for you in the past, that you might want to give this one a shot because it's... A lot harder. Yeah, and you can decide your difficulty level. We have different play styles. When I was watching Tyler run past all of those enemies last night to get to the temple, I would have stopped and fought every one of those motherfuckers. And I would have died six times, but I would have beat them all. It seems like the world is persistent to where as long as you don't die, those things aren't respawning. It seemed like you could permanently kill a lot of things. Permanently kill, right, is probably the better way to put it. So that makes the game more challenging by default, you know, if you're stopping to fight everything, or you can just blow by it, assuming you have enough stamina. (laughs) Well, I mean, you're required to go into the Arctic territory. If you don't know how to cook something to get frost resistance, you only have three heart containers. You're fucked. There's no way to get that first or second stone, whichever one that was. No, because you have to run for a solid... What, three, four minutes? fight. Yeah, to get to the temple. I liked that part of it, that it's open. And I guess from what Reap said, where we were on the plateau, that is kind of like the tutorial. Because now where we ended up last night, that's the open world. And it looks pretty fucking massive. It looks huge. I'm looking forward to diving into it. It's getting great reviews. I haven't read any of them yet because I really wanted a chance to kind of put my uh, my own two fingers in the pie. But God, it, it tastes pretty fucking sweet, dude. So there's a lot of things that we like. The gameplay, the visuals... The challenge level so far feels pretty balanced. Combat's good. Once I get used to it, the combat felt, again, not to beat a dead horse, but very Dark Souls. Yeah. And things that I didn't care for so much were the endless menus, because it does feel like you spend way too much time in menus. Part of the reason you spend too much time in menus is because all of the gear that you pick up that has to do with combat, your shields and your weapons have a durability factor built in Uh. that doesn't seem to last very long. Often in a fight, your weapon will break and you'll have to drop into a menu, choose the next fucking weapon that's up in line to be able to continue or replace a shield that doesn't replace automatically when yours breaks. So a lot of times in menus just to be able to get through a fight, not digging that really. I'm really curious to see how it controls on the Wii U because there's less buttons. I think I'm going to like it better on the Wii U. Maybe not graphically, but I was having the same issues you were last night. And again, alcohol. (laughs) But you and I normally, you know, as drunk as we get, we can handle a video game console. And yeah, the menus are cumbersome. And yeah, God, the durability on the weapons. I understand why they did it. And it does fit in with the rest of the game, with the cooking, with the survival, with, you know, things like that. But God, it's fucking annoying to have to stop mid-battle to pull something else out. And even the swords and axes we were getting were not lasting a long time. It helps to have, especially if you're going for a really deep title, which apparently they are. The scope here is unprecedented for a Zelda game. That's the tradition of Zelda is a very narrow focus on these are your items. Like You're only never going to use this sword until you upgrade it to the next sword. It's the next sword that you get, not a next sword or a fucking tree branch or a fucking arm that you can slap people around with. I like the ingenuity of some of the ideas that they've come up with for different kinds of weapons and maybe take from what other titles like Dark Souls, take what works and mix that into Zelda. Maybe not so much of the other stuff. And you can probably argue that a lot of the crafting is going to be a game in and of itself that you can choose to play whether you want to or not. But like you pointed out, if you have to know that you have to cook a recipe that involves peppers to be able to get cold resistance so you can make it to one of the first temples, that's not real intuitive. And the game's giving you no guidance on this other than 
some of the color text on the items tells you like, hey, if you eat this, it'll keep you warm. And I like that. It's the least amount of hand-holding in a Zelda title I've ever seen. They throw you right in. And again, I feel like what we accomplished last night was the tutorial. Now we can move shit around with magnetism. We have bombs. We can stop time. And so those, I imagine, will all play into the puzzles we get to experience in the upcoming dungeons. We haven't seen a dungeon or a boss yet, and we're four hours in. That's important to remember, too, is that we haven't seen the real game yet. We just know how to play the game now. And we had to unlock the abilities that we're going to need to play those games. But if what we're looking forward to is puzzles that require all of those mechanics that we learned during the prologue, this is going to be pretty fucking great. I love the fact that they made bombs. They took it out of it being a reusable item, and now that's just one of your inherent rune powers for your your what? What's the Z-pad called? The Shiza Stone or whatever it's called? Yeah, it's it's the Shiza Stone. It's not too far from that. German Zelda. (laughs) The Legend of Zelda. I'm actually going to look it up right now. Okay, I think you should. Talk to one of our good friends this morning, Sleepy Reaper. And he's already got a horse in the game. So that's coming pretty quickly. He can't be that much farther ahead of us. Shit, the game's only been out for a day. Yeah, what the fuck was Toma talking about with people having 150 hours of gameplay into this already? Because it did not come out in Japan. It was a worldwide launch, correct? Now, that's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. I'm pretty sure it was. Now, granted, it's earlier in Japan, of course. But still, 150 hours is way off the mark as far as math is concerned. Maybe Tama was just bullshitting. I just saw a guide for how to beat that Stone Talus boss that Tyler was fighting last night. Don't, oh, don't tell me. I want to figure it out. <laughs> I won't. It just reminded me I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, that guy was a bruiser. What the fuck was that thing called? I like that you can go anywhere, too. It doesn't seem like the world is restrictive. There's no uh, invisible walls, if you will. I think you can run to places where you're going to get your ass kicked, just like in the first Zelda. I really do. And you can fall off of everything. Yeah, there are no barriers that will keep you from doing stupid shit in temples and falling to your death often, like Doug did. I think we all got our share of some death last night, didn't we? Yeah, and I wasn't happy with half of them. Half of them I'll, I'll accept that that was my fault. And the other half I will attribute to the controls. And, and maybe that's just me still getting used to the size of them like we talked about. Or I, in particular, had some issues. I think they might have been technical with the responsiveness of the controller either changed or it would just send Link off in one direction. I had no control of them at that point. You know, I did read a review that said if you do not have the pad held in certain level towards the TV that other people have been experiencing that same problem. Now, I did not have the problem last night, but you definitely did. Either distance or... Between the, the base console and the controller. Some way you held it, maybe if you're holding it up in the air and it needs to be forward, which, I mean, doesn't make any sense with today's technology. I don't know. But I read it earlier that day, and then when it happened to you last night, I was like, oh, well, you know what Doug's going to say. Save it for the fucking cast. So, <laughs> I did. Thank you. The Sheikah Slate is apparently what this thing is called. That's hard to say. I had to look it up. and The Sheikah Slate. I think that's what tells me that, well, I guess that's not fair. I was going to say that, you know, when you have to look up one of the main mechanisms of the game, because you can't remember what it's called, that's a bad thing, but that's probably just a reflection of how much alcohol that we were drinking last night. It was a good Friday night. When's the last time a movie like Logan and a Zelda game came out on the same day. I mean, I was... I'm going with never. Never. <laughs> right? I mean, it's. Uh, I was really looking forward to yesterday. I had a lot of fun. We got some good food. We got a good movie. And we got to sit around a controller pass, which we talked about last night. Never happens anymore. Three of us drinking beers, passing the controller, talking shit. 
That's what I love about video games. I can say I wouldn't have made it that far without having you or Tyler or both of you sitting beside me playing. If it had been just you sitting there, I have a feeling you would have zeroed in on a path and probably made it a lot further. Which is what I'll be doing today. I'm going to try to play through the beginning of the game pretty quickly since I've already seen it all. Right. I'm going to stick around long enough to see the UI on the U because I'm curious now too if there's that many fewer buttons on a U controller, what the menu system looks like. I can just bring the gamepad downstairs and play it right there if I want to, which is wonderful. Nice. I like the Wii U. I know a lot of people hate it on it. I still love it. So you're not going to fire it up on the screen? I will. Like, But if I'm sitting down talking to you guys, I'll put it on the pad. No, I'm going to play it on the TV. Of course I am. I bet it looks pretty good on the Wii U. I bet it doesn't look bad. You're talking about on the tablet or on the TV? I think it's going to look great on the Wii U. Lower resolution, yeah, but still, I think those graphics can be done well in 720. How would you describe that animation style that game is done in? It's not cell shaded, but it's... But it kind of is. Yeah, but it's very... I don't know, what word would you use? Maybe we should ask Pat. Seems like cell shading with another layer on top of it of It's very texturing. It's pretty. It is. And feels Zelda. I don't see near as many games as you do. I don't know if this is a popular style or if this is something that's unique just to this game. It is very unique to this game. And I'm trying to think, too, did we ever hear the classic theme last night? Yes, we did. When was that? It was during a cutscene right after... I mean, with the drums and everything, with the dun, 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 dun. No. Okay. No, in fact, it was completely kind of disassembled and and rearranged into... It was. Uh, a lower octave piano played very slowly. There's a lot of piano so far. I wonder if we get piano at the beginning of the game and then full orchestra. I think they're holding off on the soundtrack. I think they know that the soundtrack of Zelda is almost as valuable as the character itself. So they're waiting to blow that load? I think so, man. I hope so. I mean, when you think of the Zelda games, I mean, the music has to come to mind. I mean, shit. There's symphony orchestras that tour playing those fucking songs. Sure. I hope it's not just ding, 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 like (laughs) fucking shit like that the whole game. Yeah, I want to hear some booming fucking Zelda music. Why wouldn't you? I was a little disappointed that the secret tones and the, there's two of them. You open a chest and you unlocked a secret. So one of them is the da-na-na-na, and the other one is the na 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 Yeah. And... Those have been broken down a little bit. And they're, they're not as good. No. I'll, go, I'll come out and say that right now. They're I was not as good. going to make the same point. Recognizable, but underwhelming. So you're saying, though, you're holding out hope that as the game progresses, we start to make our way back towards... We haven't seen a boss fight yet. You would imagine there's going to be some pretty epic music when you're fighting some of the bosses, right? I'm kind of worried about that, to be honest. Those temples, even though there was some challenge to them... You didn't have to fight anybody. You just had to kind of get through some traps. I mean, really, those it was... were the purpose, though, was to give you those powers. Well, we'll see where Tyler is when we go back downstairs. I have a feeling he's going to be in a dungeon, dungeon, right? And they're known for, I mean, they're known for their their dungeons. I do not see them backing off of that in a title like this. So we should expect that the difficulty level will ramp quickly between prologue and dungeon number one. And I'm not going to say the prologue was a fucking cakewalk. It wasn't hard. I mean, we weren't like frustrated and shit, but we had to use each other's brains, help each other out, think outside the box. You'll have to tell me what you think when you play through it by yourself again. And granted, you'll have the benefit of having done this once already. Uh, But doing it stone sober in one session, I have a feeling that, well, 
I won't try and predict what your thoughts are. I'll just count on you to let me know what you say. So think. you think it was easy? I think it was easy. And I think if I had been in the right frame of mind, I would have had a lot less problems with are it. Are you speaking directly <laughs> for the puzzles? I thought some of the combat was pretty challenging, especially fighting two at once. And weapons breaking every fucking goddamn two minutes. That's not a difficulty inherent to the game. That's just a cumbersome UI, right? I guess that's true. And the net effect may be the same. You know, it takes <laughs> multiple tries to get through something, but add an F. So four years ago, this weekend, you and I got tossed out of a bar. Do you want to tell that story? <laughs> we, probably, we don't have to. <laughs> On the anniversary, my daughter might still be angry with me about this. She wasn't mad at me. No one ever gets mad at you, though. <laughs> I know. No one ever does. <laughs> How do you do that? It's you. Because they're always fucking pissed at you. So they're like, oh, well, you know, Eric fucking has to put up with that shit all goddamn day. Like, how does he even deal with it? Of course we can't be mad at Eric, man. <laughs> he took Doug away from us for two hours so we could enjoy some goddamn peace and quiet. <laughs> we were pretty fucking ripped that day. Now, I do not think that we were any worse than we have been before. No, and I don't recall us having any issue prior to... You had moved to Colorado in, was it October, December. December? And it was February before we got together for the first time. March. Fe it's this weekend, according to Facebook. This weekend. Yeah, I had moved to Colorado in December. I can't remember the last time I saw you before that, though. I think it had been at least a year, though. It was probably Nils' bachelor Nils party. bachelor party, which was well over a year. Two, three years, probably. I think that sounds right. We decide to go have dinner. Did we eat there that night or were we just hanging out? Okay, here's what happened. <laughs> at least I'll tell the beginning of the story. I hadn't seen you in a while. I showed up at your house. We had three beers out in your backyard apiece. You and I went to get sushi. We had three 32-ounce Kirins apiece <laughs> at the sushi bar. We went back to your house. We finished the rest of the beer in the cooler that was in the backyard. Then Nikki took us out. It was 7 o'clock that night when we got thrown out of that bar, maybe 7.30. And I don't think we were doing anything. I just think we were very loud. I think that's why we got kicked out. But you got thrown out on your fucking ass because you were being dug. They didn't touch me. You I, were just trying to get Nikki. You didn't say shit to the guy. You didn't antagonize him. I don't think you really resisted. I didn't. So I remember we were shooting pool. We were with those dudes, and we are having a good time. And the bartender was loving us because we were buying people drinks and tipping well yeah you and i were fucking lit I, again we were both drunk i'm not gonna say we weren't but even the, i think the motherfuckers that they said had a problem with us we had just bought them around before this whole scuffle went down we're singing the theme from the golden girls dude maybe our humor was off color that day and maybe some of our word choice is why we got tossed i'm speaking for myself here i know sometimes when i get drunk i get a little belligerent and i do like to cuss and it gets way worse when I'm drinking. And with you around, it gets even worse than that. And yeah, but we were singing the theme from the Golden Girls. That's the last thing I remember before you getting thrown on the sidewalk. But I wasn't so drunk that when they approached me and said, dude, you're going to have to leave. And I remember saying, like, why? And they're like, you're just going to have to go. I'm like, okay, if you're telling me I got to go, then I, apparently I got to go. So I walked down the stairs. It's a two-level bar. Walking towards the front door, and it occurred to me, I should probably let Nikki and Taylor know that I have to leave. I start to turn around and I think I'm raising my hand to like say, hey, Nikki. And boom, fucker hits me in the chest, pushes me through two sets of double doors and fucking body slams me to the sidewalk out front. 
Yeah, and I got the look from Nikki because while this was happening, Nikki was coming towards me of, I'm not mad. I'm just really disappointed <laughs> in both of us. Now, and, granted, we, we've already talked about this, but of course you're going to take the fucking ire. I came out looking like a hero no matter what because I'm not the one laying out on my fucking ass in front of the restaurant. But yeah. Nikki was not pleased with our antics that day. Particularly because, and I think, this is something I neglected to mention at the beginning. My daughter worked at the bar that, at the time. <laughs> at the time, yeah. Always good to have your drunk dad tossed on his ass. <laughs> I guess I got some vindication because she told me Taylor was pretty upset about it at first because she got embarrassed at work by her drunk dad. That would have pissed me off too if I were in her shoes. You're like fucking Homer Simpson, dude. But apparently, little asshole who body slammed the big fat drunk guy and thought he was a badass as a result. Um, that disappeared a, a few days later and lost his job. So Carmen comes back around, motherfucker. Let's knock out a little Legion before we wrap today. I'll intro this one. Doug hounds me like a motherfucker weekly. Watch this. Watch this. Fucking watch this. I can't believe you're not watching this. This is better review than this. Fucking, I can't believe you're not watching this shit. Why the fuck aren't you watching this show? Finally. It's pretty good, Doug. Was that a good? That's a good whiny <laughs> ass, Doug. Uh, finally, though, I. On my own, uh, I decided to start watching Legion because of the X in the uh, in the logo for the title, and I'm loving it. I think it's a really unique take on the comic book show, and this is going to be completely separate from the rest of the X universe. Right. We are going to see similar characters. I'm liking it. Four episodes in, I still don't think I know exactly what the fuck is going on, but I'm having a lot of fun on the ride. You being honest that just the X and the logo is what prompted you to watch? Had you not seen a review or a trailer or anything for this series? I went in completely cold. I had no idea what was going to happen in that first episode. I read an article with the guy that's doing the other X-Men television series this year that he said he had seen Legion and said it was amazing. That's the only thing I came into it. They got me because I'm an X-Men fan. Right. That's why I started the show. I knew nothing about it. I didn't know an actor was in it besides Aubrey Plaza. That's it. I didn't know Gene Smart was in it until the first episode. Yeah. Yeah. No clue. So I think I told you that Nick and I were watching Taboo. That's the Tom Hardy show? Right, which is also on FX. And we started catching trailers for Legion. I don't think they promoted it well, because I think what we saw did not represent the product, which really deserves to be seen. Did they present it as more of a superhero show? No. In fact, I didn't put two and two together initially, that we were getting David Holler in a show. Did I say that right? I think so. In uh, I don't know an the X-Men character. show. Do you? Uh, I know of the character. I don't. I've never read a Legion comic book. Never, never read a book. I just know he's the son of Professor X and some woman with the last name of Holler. She was another character, not I think real germane to most X Men storyline, but I can't name her. But I know what his power is in the books, and I haven't quite seen that yet. But is his power in the books? Is he's as powerful as a Legion of people? Is that where the name comes from? If you're not familiar with it, I don't want to ruin it for you because I think they're getting to this and I think the way that they're getting okay, to it don't tell me. is unique, I'm, as is the show as a whole. We really kind of took a, not a break in episode four, but started exploring some of the side characters and I won't spoil anything, but there's a, not a reveal in episode four, but you learn about one of the side characters, you kind of get their backstory and it was fascinating. And I know the show's called Legion, but I hope they go more towards the team aspect of it because isn't that what the x books are about this is not an x-men show it really isn't they really do hit you over the head with that giant x behind gene smart just like the painting of biggie smalls and luke cage 
That's true. That's very prominently displayed in a lot of the architecture. Yeah. I think we're being set up for, well, you know, I don't know. I have a theory. I'm going to keep it to myself for now. You One, can tell me off air, can't you? You know what? I will tell you. It's something that there's two or three people in particular that I don't want to hear it because they need to get to where I'm at now and, and catching up with it. That's fair. You're a Mr. Robot fan. Did you finish the second season? I haven't even started it. Okay, so it doesn't matter. You've seen the entire first season, though. So they took a storytelling mechanism in Mr. Robot and elevated it to a whole new level. And I think most people refer to it as the unreliable narrator, where the authenticity of the story that you're being told is put into question by the person who is telling the story. Like when the narrator becomes unreliable, it opens up a lot of doors. It's kind of cheating in some senses, but it's also, if it's done well, it can really pay off. Mr. Robot was the first example of that. I see Legion following that path. I agree, because I still, I kind of know what's going on, but I couldn't explain it to you. I know what's happening because I watch it week to week and I know the story details, but I mean, when you're dealing with going inside someone's memories and then the next episode is, oh, those memories weren't right or this piece is missing, I mean... You're exactly correct. It does allow you to cheat the story a little bit, which isn't a bad thing in when you're doing something like Legion. I'm loving it. I think this season is going to be eight episodes, so we're only we're halfway through already. Yeah. And I'm sure it got renewed, right? Or they're planning on it. Is it doing well? If it didn't get renewed just based on the pilot and how it performed, because I think people watched the fuck out of it. So it is doing well. It I is. don't pay attention to numbers anymore. I watch what I fucking want to watch. I think for a show on FX, it's doing exceptionally well. Well, good. And I hope we get a little bit more of that originality when it comes to adapting the comic properties. Even though, I mean, like I said, this year, man, the first two comic book movies out of, I think, six that we get knocked it out of the fucking park. And next one is Guardians, which looks mind Did you see the second trailer? I have. Okay. I can't wait. When do we get Guardians? Guardians is May. Spider-Man is July. Wonder Woman is June. And then Thor is November. And Justice League is November. Jesus. 2017 is going to be fun. And you know we're getting a new Star Wars movie this year, too. <laughs> <laughs> Just a new Star Wars movie. Just, you know, you know, The Last Jedi. Do you have any last thoughts on Legion? Watch it. I'm loving it. If I'm watching a television show, that should be all the endorsement that you need. I never fucking watch TV. I'm digging it. I look forward to, as the season wraps, you and I really getting to sit down and talk about what happens. Because I feel like we're in the middle. Well, I mean, shit, we are. In the middle of a fucking story. Right. There's a lot of things that can happen. I like it. All three properties we've talked about this week. Logan, go see it. Fucking Legend of Zelda, goddamn, why aren't you playing it already? Legion, why aren't you watching it? Why aren't you drinking Oscar Blues beer? Love it. Bringing everything full circle. Way to write us out, Eric. Not as good as a grilled cheese with a perfectly heart-shaped mustard on the top of it, but uh, I try where I can. Doug and I are going to be at a con together. Holy shit, taking Project Challenge on the road way quicker than we ever did with BitFace. Good God. Way quicker than I intended to with Project way Challenge, too. Way quicker than too. you wanted to, but what happens is Tyler has a kid. Rebecca has a charity. I can't always have my co-host from BitFaced. So, of course, my first choice to sit down with me is always going to be Doug on my own show and, of course, on Project Challenge. So Doug will be with me as Project Challenge slash BitFace. We're going to be doing a lot of fucking fun shit at CobaltCon. And then the big one, Friday of Denver Comic-Con, Doug will also be the host of BitFace that day with Rebecca and myself. I'm looking forward to it. But I've been in the pool before, man. You're about to take your first dip. 
yeah, Saturday, March 18th, we're going to be at CobalCon, and hopefully we'll be able to get Becca to sit down with us and do some PC shit as well. Do some PC shit. I'm pretty sure it's not officially confirmed yet, but all three of us will be sitting down to play Sean Patrick Fannin's brand new G.I. Joe-esque tabletop game. I'm pretty sure we can do it. Him and I have talked about it. So he'll be our fourth host and Dungeon Master part of that day. Nice. And I'm looking forward to that. I mean, it, that's worth going to the, uh, the con for alone. That sounds great. Getting someone that's been a Dungeon Master since you know, you and I were born pretty much to sit down and play with us. Tyler is the one that should be fucking jealous. You're taking his seat. Only for one day. Isn't he going to be there the Friday before? I won't be, though. Uh. I do Saturdays, man, and I get a lot of shit for it, but I do Saturdays. I will do a Sunday if the interview is worth it, but I will do all day Saturday, and I'll go 10 to 6, just what we're going to do at DCC. It's going to be a lot of fun, man. I'm looking forward to it. I think you're going to have a lot of fun. I'm looking and forward to it as well. You can just fucking do what Tyler does and, and drink all fucking day. And you don't have to worry about it. I'll, I'll, I'll take care of it. I've got a lot to learn between now and Comic Con, so I'm going to mind my P's and Q's. There's no better way to learn it than just to fucking do it, right? We're going to do it. You want to outro? Do we outro on Project Challenged? I've got a spiel. Here at Project Challenge, we love all kinds of feedback and questions. You can find our email and Facebook details at projectchallenge.com. Follow us on Twitter at OGChallenged. And if you're feeling particularly generous, drop us a review on the Play Store or on iTunes. Huge thanks to all the listeners. And until next time, stay challenged.